What's up, Facebook Live? <clears throat> All right, I think we're good. What's up, Facebook and Instagram Live? You're on episode 54 of Goals and Updates, and I'm coming to you live. My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, <clears throat> where the deal is already done. I got my water. Sorry, I missed the most of the camera. I got my hat. I got my... Oh, man, I lost the cue card. I got it right here. All right. <laughs> I thought I missed my – I didn't know where the cue card was. All right. <clears throat> Today, guys, we're going to have a great show. Um, we're going to talk about – I'm going to update you guys on a couple of things that, have, that has happened in my life that I want to update you guys on. Uh, we're going to be talking about two topics today. They're going to be two great topics. I think everyone's going to like this one. doesn't matter if you're in business or not. These are going to be incredibly important topics. So if you want to listen to any type of episode from Goals and Updates, you're going to want to listen to episode 54 because the first topic we're going to be talking about is um, credit being important and the second one's going to be creating a strong power base. All right. Real quick, let me go on to uh, Instagram and paste my credentials. All right, perfect. All right, so real quick, I'm going to update you guys on a couple of things that are going on in my life. Uh, the first one is um, the Micah interview. All right, so for anyone that knows what, what that is, uh, I was supposed to do an interview with a guy named Micah from Africa. It was going to be one of my first interviews on Goals and Updates. What ended up happening was we had a lot of technical difficulties. He doesn't have the best internet connection over um, in Africa. And in order for me to, like, we, we had, like, a, a, like a, maybe, like, a five-minute phone conversation from iMessenger on Facebook. And he doesn't have the proper internet connection because um, he has to download an app in order for the phone conversation to be recorded. So that way I can, I can put it on my social medias and, and share with you guys. Now... I don't really know exactly what happened after that because then we had to reschedule so we could download the app. We had a specific time on Saturday at like one and over there it's like a three, I think it's like a three or four hour time difference in Africa. So he, I think he was going to show up, uh, I think around four or five, I think it was like more like five for him or six. And for me, it was going to be one. They were playing with a big, big gap of time difference uh, over there. Um, what ended up happening was uh, he needed the app. He said his connection was really, really slow. And what ended up happening was we had a reschedule for the next day, which was Sunday. Uh, Sunday was like a tight fit for me. It didn't. I ended up showing up, and he didn't show up. So I'm not really sure on what's going on. I tried to reach back out to him today. It says he's seen the thing and didn't respond. So I don't know if he got, like, cold feet. Uh, I don't I – don't, know 110% what's going on on his side. Maybe he doesn't have the proper internet connection. Um, I just, I, there's no way for me to know just because he's so far away and he doesn't live close to me. I can't go to his house and, and see what's up. Um, so that's something that either has to be rescheduled if I can get a hold of him and if he can get the app. The app's the only way I can record the conversation. I can't do a blunt or um, a straightforward phone call. All right. So it might have to be with someone else. I was really hoping to get that interview done because uh, he's from Africa. I mean, it's it's someone that's not even in the United States. Would have been my first interview, and he he would he had a lot of ambition. Like I could tell, like just by talking to him, he had a lot of ambition to bring on to other people. Now, real quick, uh, the other thing I wanted to do too is talk about this uh, LLC thing that's going on, and uh, 
I'm having an issue right now, which uh, I'm going to – the only reason I'm telling you guys this is not is not um, to show you guys, like, ah, like, there's, like, things wrong with uh, with done deal investments. The reason I'm, I'm going to tell you this is because for anyone out there that's trying to start a business, is thinking about the cost of business, um, there's something that happened to me just because, like, I didn't know. And that's why I'm going to pass on the information to you guys. Now, what ended up happening was I got a um, – the thing that I was doing was I went through a different source to register the LLC. All right? Now, by the way, there's nothing illegal. It's, it's not anything completely bad. It's just a lot of work that – a lot of work and extra fees that I'm going to have to pay to fix the problem because um, the company that I, I worked with didn't do it the right way. All right? So – what ended up happening was I went in, went with this company. Give me one sec, guys. Hang on. Oh, man. Okay, uh, sorry, guys. I had to let my dog out. All right. So what ended up happening was I just wanted to smack on the door uh, constantly when I'm doing this. So what ended up happening was I, I went with this one company who's going to register my um, LLC. It's a single-member LLC. All right? Uh, most people might not know what that is. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It just means one owner in an LLC. Normally, um, you do partnerships with an LLC, and that's a partnership. So anyways, um, so they registered it in Utah. So my, my business technically is registered in Utah, but I do business in Florida. So what ended up happening was I had to file because it was already registered in Utah, was the main entity. Um, I had to go and register with Florida, obviously, to do business in Florida as a foreign entity. All right. So, and I kind of knew it was kind. It didn't sound right as soon as like I had to do all this stuff. I'm like, I don't understand why they would register it in Utah if I do business in Florida. And it it didn't sound right to me at first, but I figured, you know, it's just like a little loop, a little uh, almost like a loophole where I'm like, I could just be a foreign entity and then I'll figure it out later type vibe. And by the way, guys, I have no experience with uh, with taxes, um, registering LLCs. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. Like, I don't know. Um, I didn't even really. I, I knew the entities. I just I didn't know the difference between like a, a corp like a corporation LLC. There's so many different LLCs. There's so many different uh, brackets that you'd fall into, depending on like what you're trying to accomplish or what how many people are in the business that are partnering up and stuff like that. Uh, whole whole another topic. But what ended up And then um, uh, when I had to do taxes in 2018, I was trying to figure that out. First time ever I've ever done business taxes. So in my mind, I'm like, I don't know if I should file in Utah or Florida. Because like, I don't do business in Utah, but I do business in Florida. But technically, my entity is registered in Utah. Like, that's where the foundation is, is in Utah. So I ended up calling a tax advisor. And the tax advisor said, you know, I don't know why your business is in Utah. You're doing business in Florida. And it's a real estate business. Um, you're going to get better better tax breaks and, and uh, there's better regulations for your business in Florida with real estate. And I was like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I explained to him what happened. And what ended up happening was I think they got me for more money. All right. And they registered in Utah. And, you know, like some of these people kind of is where it comes back to like some people are like scamming. Like it didn't really scam me, but like they took advantage probably of someone that didn't have the proper knowledge and they registered it in a different state and they charged me a little bit more. Right. 
So what ended up happening was the, the tax guys, like um, what you should do is file your tax, uh, your taxes, your business taxes in Utah and then just tell, call Utah, the state of Utah, and tell them that you want to transfer to Florida. Your business isn't there. Explain to them the situation. And then do the same thing with Florida. Tell them that you don't want to be a foreign entity. You want to be a, a main um, entity in Florida because that's, that's where you're located. That's where you're doing all your business. So I was like, all right, it makes a lot of sense. So <clears throat> I've been doing a lot of different stuff trying to figure that mess out because that it's it's kind of a pain in the ass because like I got to go to Utah and make sure I do everything right with Utah and then I got to somehow file the taxes and then I got to go back to Florida and, and figure out what to do with the, the Florida laws and stuff like that. So that's something where if I could pass knowledge over to you guys, um, be careful because like I there, there's, a, there's also another thing that I learned too where a lot of these companies throw on the LLC, but if you don't have assets, if you don't have um, – and mostly like the reason a lot of people do the LLCs is for assets to protect your assets in case someone sues you. But like what I also read too, is a lot of people that are starting a business are, they really should go into a sole priority. And for people that don't know that, what that is, you got to look it up. It's mainly just, uh, you're doing, you're, you're working for yourself. That's what they call self-employed. All right. And, um, basically what happens is they throw on the LLC cause they're like, it gives you a better like lawsuit and then um, they can't really sue you. They have to sue your assets, your company. But uh, what he said is basically like, there's like a veil. Like I read this online. I was watching a bunch of videos. There's like a veil, a corp veil is what they call it. And it can be broken even with an LLC, just depending on different, you know, just depending on what's going on and stuff like that. Um, but what he said was most people don't have assets when they start a business. So they kind of get you to pay more money and fees and stuff for an LLC, which I mean, I'm going to, I was going to do an LLC regardless. I don't really care about that part. It's more of like the, the mess that this company that I was using to register the LLC to create it legally with the, the to do all the paperwork and everything. They did it in Utah and now I got to pay these, uh, you know, there's a couple of different fees. I got to pay Utah to file different things. <clears throat> so I'm actually losing, um, extra, you know, I'm losing extra money trying to fix it. And, uh, you know, and it just, it makes more sense to do that. I don't have to file in Utah and stuff like that. So just to save you guys some time and knowledge and, um, advice, if you're going to start a business, look into the LLC, like an LLC and, um, and a sole pro order. And the other thing too, is like, try to look into, um, like your state taxes and stuff like that. And make sure when you go to, um, if someone recommends you to like a corporation that's can, that can do the LLC, don't let them file in a different state. All right. I knew, I knew like the first, like when, once they did it, it didn't make a lot of sense. And I, and I realized like it didn't, it really didn't make sense why they would register in Utah and not Florida. So just be careful if you're starting a business, like uh, I, there's a lot of scams out there with the LLCs and stuff like that. And uh, the same thing with like uh, the fees, like they just overcharge you on shit. So just be careful. Um, what else can I update you guys on? All right, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be starting this job on. So I'm basically starting this job, March nineteenth. I got to get through a couple different um, couple different things. I got to go for a drug test. I got to do you know X, Y, and Z, and I'm I got the job. Like I got hired. I just got to get through the stepping zones, and I start working there. Uh, I think that's Tuesday next week, 19th. So I'll be doing that. I got to send this. Um, I got to write a letter to my company actually tonight, the one I'm working at right now. 
and and give them my notice. Um, I just wanted to make sure before I gave them notice that everything was, you know, on paper, we signed it, everything was good. That's how you really should do it. And uh, so I'll be working there. I'll update you guys on that because everything's going to change. The whole schedule is going to change. Um, the goals and updates should be okay. I think I'm only wor I'm working there until like about 5.30 p.m. So I should be able to make it for the 6.30 uh, episodes of goals and updates um, Monday and Wednesday still. So I don't think these are going to change. Uh, but my schedule is going to basically be like flipped upside down. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to figure out a bunch of different things, but uh, we'll figure that out. It's not a big deal. And I think that's basically it. That's, all, that's everything I wanted to catch you guys up on. So the job, Micah, and then the LLC uh, business. All right. So what we're going to do now, now we're getting to the exciting stuff. That was just stuff I wanted to pass off to you guys. Cause I was like updating you guys on the schedule I want to update you guys on like, you know, obviously uh, showing up in, on my time and stuff like that. And uh, I wanted to pass that LLC information over just so like if, uh, you know, someone like, because most people that start a business, their first business, they don't know any of this stuff. And that's, and that's why a lot of these companies know and they do this kind of stuff. So save, your, save yourself some trouble and do a little bit of research before you start doing like the licensing and the LLCs and stuff like that, all right? Uh, the first topic we're going to talk about, because I have two great topics today. First one's going to be uh, uh, credit being important, which it's going to be the most important thing I think I'm going to really talk about on the show, right? And creating strong power base, which uh, I always knew about the power base, but I ended up, I was doing an episode of uh, Cardone University. I just got that. I've been doing some sales training and they talk a lot about the power base, all right, and how strong your power base is. LinkedIn, all right. So we're going to talk about the power base after. Right now we're going to talk about credit. So credit is going to be the most important thing of your life, all right? Everyone tells you this. No one really gives you a lot of information on this. Um, I've done a lot of research on credit. I've talked to financial advisors at banks. I've, I've done a lot of resources on credit, all right? Um, the most important, you know, everyone knows kind of how to use a credit card. The credit card, the probably the most basic one, but there's also a lot of things that a lot of people don't know about the credit card. Um, and that's just because like, that's probably like your most, well, I wouldn't say it's your most debt. It's probably like your second most debt is the credit card, just stupid stuff you're buying. Um, but real quick, I am reading this book, Personal Finance for Dummies. I definitely highly recommend getting this book if you want to get more uh, financial savvy, only for the fact that they go through a lot of stuff. It's, a, it, it's, a, it's an intimidating book, I'm not going to lie to you. You can see it's, it's thick, but it has a lot, it talks to a lot of, a lot of different stuff just besides credit cards and um, like credit in general, and it talks a lot about investments. So if you're looking to invest other than just stocks, it talks about investing uh, it talks about like buying cars, like anything that uses money or any type of personal finance for yourself. Like if you're going to buy a car, you're going to buy a house, you're going to buy anything. It's in here. It goes over scams that a lot of like companies try to do. Uh, one that I was reading was the typical car, which is people go and uh, they'll go to a car lot and they'll be like, they're like, oh man, I really need a new car. They go to the car lot and they're like, I don't really have the money for this car. And the and uh, what ends up happening is the car salesman talks about everything about the car. And you get to personal finance, and they never mention about how much the car is or, the, or how to finance or anything like that until you get to the finance, finance office. You find out how much the car is, and they go, oh, but we can give you a car loan. 
And it said in there, like, what most people don't know is, like, uh, they end up just doing the car loan, and they end up walking away with, like, a $400, um, $300 payment every single month. Plus, the interest sometimes on car loans are, 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 are skyrocket. They're high. So they hit you hard with the interest on top of the, the high payment. And uh, people end up not, like, they can't afford, you know, they can't afford it because they, they didn't really think about the payment. Or oh, the other thing, too, is registration, insurance. Like, registration, insurance, getting plates. Like, you might have to get plates if you've never had a plate. Um, in Florida, I know you can transfer. I don't know the other rules in different states. I just know Florida because I, I worked at a tag agency for a while. So I know the plates, uh, you know, insurance just depends on the person and you have accidents, all that, all that stuff. The insurance is probably the trickier one because it just depends on your record um, and, and how old you are, if you're a male or female, which still to this day is kind of crazy to me that they can, uh, they can do that. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, and I'm telling you, most people don't know this. I actually had, I can actually give you an example of the, the plates, a dealership taking advantage of my friend. Uh, he gave me a call. I was helping him with his license or whatever. I, I, I went to reinstate his license in this uh, DMV or whatever. And when he looked up online, he said he had two license plates in his name. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over this one too. This will save you money. And most people do not know this, all right? This is one of the, the biggest scams that dealerships do, all right? I tried to tell my mom this. Mom didn't believe me. And then he got a registration and I showed her on the paper. All right. The biggest thing they do is if uh, there's two things that I can tell you too, real quick. One is if you're leasing a car. All right. And they give you a license plate. They'll double charge you for that license plate. All right. Meaning the dealership will give you the license plate on the lease car. This is if you're leasing and they have to give you a license. You don't have a license plate to put on the car, right? This is like your first car ever and you're leasing because it's cheaper and it's probably going to save you more money in the long run, all right? They'll charge, the dealership themselves will take the 225, This and this is in Florida, by the way. I mean, this is probably other dealerships do the same thing. The price range that I'm going to talk about is for Florida license plates. So they'll charge you the 225 for the license plate, the Florida plate, then what will happen is they'll collect that and take it for themselves. They won't give it to the county, all right? So when they're doing the registration and everything, they should be giving the money to the county. They take the $225 plate fee, all right, and they pocket it. The dealer pockets it in their own pocket. So what happens is then when you go to um, get another car, right, and you finance another car, let's say, like, you leased it. Now you want to go and finance. You want to own a car. Once, once you uh, – finance and pay that car off the um the state will then charge you another 225 dollars to that plate what's up travis yeah travis um they'll charge you 225 dollars again for that same plate and what what ends up happening is like they double charge you and people don't know that and that's just like a deal like the dealer does that at a car a car dealer um or a car dealership and what ends up happening is that, you know, people get scammed. That actually happened to me like once. And I, and I don't understand it because like they, she was trying to charge me for like more money. And I was like, I don't understand. Like I've worked at a tag agency. I don't understand this. And I went to um, the, one, the one lady I worked with for a long time, for like two years. And she explained the whole thing to me. And she's like, yeah, that's how they get away with this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, the other thing too to keep in mind is uh, this is the story with my, my friend now. So my friend came to me and my friend's like, hey, I got two license plates in my name. 
one says it's registered in my car and the second plate it says it's it's not attached to anything like it's just an it's just an empty plate and I, and I, you know, I didn't know what it was at first. I looked it up. I went through it. He gave me his information. I looked it up on the Broward County records because you can go on your records and see what he's, you know, you can see the plates that are under your name and um, your license and all that stuff. Any information that is under your driver's license, which your plates are registered to your driver's license, you can see the plates. It, and it, what it said was the one that he was talking about was registered to his car. And the second one, was just a blank plate but on the one that was registered under the ford he had a ford f-150 he's the one that has the rouge um the crazy the crazy it's it's a crazy car f-150 and uh on top of it it said ford motors so what and i didn't catch it at first but i realized what they did was ford issued him a new plate so either my friend went into the dealer and didn't tell him that he had a plate to transfer you probably didn't know this. A lot of people don't know this stuff, by the way. This is stuff that I learned at a tag agency. I would never have known. I don't even think, you know, if you ask your parents, your parents aren't going to know this. Ask your friends. Your friends probably won't know this unless they worked in a tag agency or actually physically did um, tag work previous, you know, for themselves or something. But what, what he probably did is he went in there and didn't tell me he had another plate in his name to transfer over to that truck. And they just they just charged him and gave him a plate on the spot because they're the only they're one of the few people besides the DMV, the public DMVs that can actually give you the plate. So they probably just gave him a plate and charged him two twenty five for the new plate, and uh, and that's why and he got he got ripped off. They they charged him more money, and uh, they do that on purpose too because they know they can get away with that. That's another thing they do that they get away with. But it could have been him too. He might not have known to tell him that he had a plate to transfer. And when he was telling him about the, you know, registering the car, like he probably didn't even know. So it could, it could have been kind of his fault too, but most of the time the dealership knows and they, and they take advantage of that and they charge you the 225, which they'll pocket and they'll get more money off of uh, the plate fee. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. That'll save you some money. That That's not credit, but the whole point we got into that is because we were talking about cars and then before I was talking about like saving money on the LLC and stuff like that. But anyways, so credit is the most important thing. And credit does relate to cars because if you're leasing or you're financing, that goes to your credit report and that'll help build you credit, by the way. And that all goes on your credit report. So it does kind of relate to credit. But anyways, uh, one of the biggest things that I learned is interest. Most people don't pay attention to interest. Uh, the other thing I learned about was um, personal, uh, what do they call them? Personal, um, personal loans like a personal finance loan, all right? I don't think most people know what that is. Personal finance loan just means like you stacked up too much debt. I had, I had to do this. I stacked up too much debt on my credit cards and it was causing my credit, uh, you know, it was costing me like too much on interest because I had like three, let's say I had three different credit cards. So I'm getting hit with three different types of interest. On top of that, my credit is skyrocketing down because my utilization is too too high. You don't want to have um, you don't want to have more than thirty percent of your credit utilization because uh, that it it should that's when your credit starts dropping when you have more than thirty percent of your credit lines used up. So what ended up happening was it skyrocketed down and I couldn't figure out how to get it back up and I was making payments every single month on all three cards I was doing whatever 
And I went from like a high like 700 to like a low 700. And I was like like 705 or something or 709 around there. And I was like, I can't, I can't figure out how to get it back up. And the only way I knew how to do it was I ended up going to a bank and was talking to them about um, business credit. And she told me about the personal loan. And she worked with me and, and we ended up being able to do it without it really penalizing me because my credit was open for 30 days. That's another thing I didn't know either. It was like, if you apply for something and you get denied and they have to pull your credit report, you have up to 30 days where you can, you can pull different things without your credit being affected with hard inquiries. All right. Hard inquiries are just like you're going to too many different places and um, you're trying They keep pulling your credit report and it, it puts these inquiries on you. All right. So if you have too many of the inquiries, what ends up happening is your credit takes a big hit and your credit score goes down. Most people don't know about the inquiries. I'm telling you straight up. I'm sure if you went to someone and go, do you know what a credit inquiry is? They're probably like, what? An inquiry? What is that? All right. I didn't know what that was either until I asked a banker. All right. I asked a banker, what is this? Or I looked it up online and I was like, oh, like, what is this? All right. That's, that's one that'll help you a lot. So you got to be careful of uh of trying to take out too many loans too many credit cards too many uh the biggest one that i found out too is normally when people are car shopping they go into the dealership and they go and they um they the person's like oh like i want to put down excuse me i want to put down two thousand dollars on this car and i want to get these payments and they go okay let me run your credit and most people don't think about it and they go okay and they sign the document saying like they can pull their credit and the dealership pulls the credit and you go, oh, like they can't really help me. And you leave and go to another dealership and they do the same thing and they go, okay, sign this document saying we can pull your credit and we'll tell you if we can do it or not. And what happens is normally people go, you know, you don't car shop and get the car right there on the same day. You normally go to like three, maybe four different uh, dealerships before you get a car and they ran your credit three or four times and that affected your, your credit, your credit report. And most people don't know that one either. Because I was talking to someone and they're like, yeah, I went to, I did that and went to four different dealerships and they hit me four times. It was like, it actually happened to me too, where like two dealerships did it and before I got a car and um, I didn't know that at the time. And I got hit with like these two hard inquiries. Um, so that's, that's one thing you want to keep in mind is the hard inquiries. Uh, they're soft. I think they're called soft inquiries too. I'm not really sure on the soft ones. I just know the hard ones, the ones you want to look out for. And, um, most, most of them are going to probably be hard, not really soft. I don't think, uh, but that's something maybe to look into is what's the difference between soft and hard. I'm pretty sure I looked it up at one point. I just don't remember. I think it's just the way they pull your credit. Um, now the other thing too is, um, what I learned is on your credit, you don't want to put, and this is probably something that's kind of common sense. A lot of people are really like, I already knew that. Uh, this one is. You don't want to put a lot of money or useless wants. You got to put things like you need or investments. So I wouldn't even really say the needs part. I would say, because most people put like food, uh, movies, anything that depreciates in value, they put on the credit card. And what you should be doing is putting things that increase. Um, and I'm not talking about invest. I'm not talking about like investments, like take, take credit, credit line and go invest it into stock market or anything like that. You want to you want to do things that um that are gonna basically that's an investment in yourself like education's a good one because education will depreciate on you 
Um, so like maybe like an online course that'll help you with sales or it's going to help you in like the industry that you're in. Uh, trying to think of another one that's good. I'd say maybe I really like I, most people might say like car. Like if you have to do a car payment, maybe throw it on there. I would say like, I wouldn't even do the car because a car depreciates in value. But most people think a car is an investment and a tech, they're technically right and they're technically wrong. That's another thing we could probably discuss too with credit is um, most people will say they want to buy a car because it's an investment and they get money because they could sell the car and stuff. But what I learned, because this is a debate that if you go to anyone and say, do you own or lease, which one's better? Everyone has a different opinion. People are going to say it's the mileage. People are going to say it's... Uh, People are going to say it's mostly the mileage because if you, if you can get away with not driving a lot, they're going to tell you to lease. If you can't do the mileage and you're going to pay a lot on the mileage, they're going to say own. Uh, that way you're not restricted on the mileage. But what I learned was it's better to lease your cars than own your cars. Why? And this is one that I had to research a lot. I, the, only, the only reason I, I knew the answer was probably right was because Grant Cardone was a car salesman. And Grant Cardone said, dude, I don't even, he's like, I don't even own my, my Rolls Royce or any of that. He's like, I lease all that stuff. And, uh, and, I, and I thought about it and I was like, I wonder why. And he went in, I saw an interview one time and he explained it. And the idea is every single time you put that car key in the ignition and you start it and you drive, it depreciates in value. It's literally depreciating when you drive. So that was something that I thought about, and I was like, "Wow, it makes it does make a lot of sense." The because it, it it does. Like when you go and you um go to buy a car or you go to sell a car, they go by the mileage. Why? Because that's the age of the engine, it's the age of the car itself. That's what they recognize as age. So that's literally as you drive. Like the mileage is going up as you drive. So it made a lot of sense when I was doing that, and uh, so. And that, that's one that a lot of people debate you on because most people be like, oh, I'd rather have – because the, the biggest one they complain about or they argue about is the payment. Like, yeah, but if you lease, you're always going to have a payment. And if you own, you're not going to have a payment. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they, they go, I'd rather not have a payment and just pay insurance on the car and get away with it. And it, and it's like, yeah, like you're not going to have a payment, but like you're losing money. Like – by the time you sell it, maybe you get a couple grand, but I'll always have an updated car. I'll always have the safety features. That's another thing too. You're, you're always having a new updated car. So for instance, I leased my car um, and it's a 20, I believe it's a 2017 Hyundai Elantra, right? Um, I, my contract should expire in the next year and a half, I'd say, depending, you know, that's, I'm pretty sure in like another year and a half it, it expires. And I'd have to go and either lease another Hyundai or um, go to a different, you know, go go to a different uh, maker like uh, Honda or something. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Obviously, it's kind of far away. I didn't really think about it. But uh, the point of the matter is I'm eventually going to have to go and either lease another car or finance. I'm going to lease. All right. Because I'm going to obviously, obviously take in the information that I'm preaching to you guys. And uh, I'm going to be smart enough not to uh, – to buy the car it's a it's a liability it's not an asset and that's the difference the smart people will say it's a liability and uh, the people that don't know what's going on they'll call it an asset 
right? And if you don't know what the difference between an asset and a liability is, an asset is basically just something that um, has value and or um, an asset is more of something that you own that has a lot of value and then a liability is something that just depreciates in time and an asset kind of like either goes up in value like that's why they say a house is an investment or an asset because over time the market will pick the value of the house up and that's why they call the house an asset um what was gonna say so that's that so I will, you know, and it kind of does depend on the mileage. I'm not going to disagree on the mileage part. Like if you're going to go over like 10,000 miles because you're traveling back and forth between like, you know, you're putting like massive amounts of mileage on it, then you're probably better off. You probably are better off financing the car just for the fact that uh, you're going to get racked up in mileage. What's up, Cooper? Um, but honestly, like you got, you want to lease the car. It's depreciating in value. You're going to want to lease. Like people are probably going to argue with Matt or argue with me on that and say like finance, but I'm telling you like, go look it up. Like leasing, you'll save, you'll save money 110% because you pay half on the car. You also get, um, everything's updated, safety features, technology. Uh, I was, I'm telling you, I was driving around. My first ever car was a 2004 Buick Regal. All right. And it was like literally falling apart. Like it was 2004. I got it in, I think 2014, I was going on, uh, maybe, maybe 2012, to be honest with you. More information for the brand. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. Um, hopefully everything's going well with you, Cooper. I hope everything's going well with, uh, you're doing music. So hopefully everything's going well with that. <clears throat> I know that's a competitive market too. Um, what was going to say? So definitely, I'm telling you, I definitely would lease, but yeah, I had a two, I think in 2012 is when I got the Buick Regal. All right. And like the, the car was falling apart inside. Uh, my sister ended up taking it. And I ended up leasing my first ever car on my own because I ended up building credit and everything like that it goes back to credit, build up my own credit. And I did have to have a co-signer. I didn't have enough credit line in order or credit history. Basically, I didn't have established credit, which I think is just like credit history and like enough amount of money over, uh, you know, enough money in my credit line to basically show the or to make the dealership feel safe to give me the car on my own without a co-signer to be responsible for. Right. And, uh, basically what ended up happening was my sister took the car and the car basically just started falling apart and she had to fix things. That's the other thing people don't think about. My grandfather told me this and I actually denied my grandfather on it. And my grandfather said, you're going to have more coverage. That's another thing that I forgot to tell you guys. You're going to have more coverage leasing than you will owning. And I'll, and I'll, and people might be like, oh, no, that's not true. I can go in and finance the car and put more coverage on the – and I could put the same amount of coverage on the car. And that's not true. You're going to have to – if you're financing a car, you're going to have to pay probably for your own gap insurance. Most people probably don't even know what gap insurance is. And um, if you lease a car, most dealerships will automatically include gap insurance. Now, gap insurance, all that is is let's say you get into an accident – and your insurance doesn't cover, there's normally a gap between the insurance and how much money you owe on the car for it to be total. This is normally like total cars, all right? And I know this because it happened to me with my, the first car I leased. I got into a really bad accident. I totaled the car and gap insurance covered my ass, all right? Just because I was a lease, it was a lease. So the dealership wants to protect, it wants to protect its inventory because after your three-year lease, they're going to have to resell the car and they're going to they're gonna try to make the money back on it. So what ended up happening was, or gap insurance is just like your insurance, let's say, let's say you total your car 
and your damages are, let's just take a number of $20,000, all right? You're, you, got, you owe $20,000 on that car. Your insurance might only cover $15,000 of that $20,000 damage, and the gap insurance is going to close the gap and cover the $5,000 gap. That's what gap insurance is. I'm telling you, most people don't know what that is. Ask what gap insurance is. Most people have no idea what gap insurance is. They don't even know it's related to a car, all right? I found that out the hard way, obviously. Uh, well, I didn't find out the hard way. I found out because when I got into the accident, that's what happened to me. And I was like, well, what's going to happen to this? And if you don't have gap insurance, you're, you're responsible for that $5,000 gap. Whatever that gap is between your insurance and that coverage, you're going to have to be responsible for that. So I lucked out, and since it was a leased car, gap insurance took over and, and fixed it. Um, that's something that is most likely not included unless you pay for it um, every single month um, through like your, your dealership, right? That's, that's also, uh, even though that's not really linked to credit, it's just important to know, it's just important in general to know. Sorry, I kind of like tried to burp and it didn't come out right. Um, so that's something you should know. So that, that'll save you money too. That's why like you should lease because you'll get more coverage. The dealership wants to cover the asset of the inventory for when you turn that car in, all right? And if you're financing, what's gonna happen is when your car starts breaking down, you're gonna have to pay for all the parts. It get, it, I'm telling you, it gets expensive. And if you lease, the dealership again will cover those expenses. So if like you have a really crappy tire, let's say like your wheel completely uh, blows off your car, the dealership will probably help you out with warranties and stuff like that. The dealership will have warranty on, uh, warranties on those parts and they'll help you out. You might have to pay something, but it's going to be way better than paying full out of pocket for a whole new wheel or you had engine damage and now, you know, you got to pay for a new engine and that's like thousands of dollars right there. So you got to try to like, you got to be smart and start looking into these things. And that's just something that most even adults, like your parents probably don't even know a lot of the stuff I'm talking about. And that's the, that's the scary part. I'm 23 and I, I'm telling you, I know a lot about money because I've looked into these things. I didn't just say, oh, I'm going to take this person's word. I looked into it and I talked to, um, I've been in financial um, offices for dealerships and I always ask questions to the finance guy. Uh, you can ask my parents. Like I went with my dad to go get a car for my sister and I, and my dad was quiet the whole entire time, maybe talked once or once in a while, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the opportunity. This guy's in finance. This guy has seen people constantly do, he's been doing finance with these people and probably like 20, maybe 30, 40, 50 people a day. This guy definitely knows the difference between if financing or leasing is a better deal. Guess what? I've asked three financial advisors in three different um, dealerships. Every single one of them says leasing is the better option. All right. So if you don't want to take my word, take it from the three financial advisors that I've talked to in three different dealerships. All right. Um, so that's why I know leasing is better. All right. And I, I'm telling you, I argued with my grandfather for a long time because my grandfather is like, uh, you want to, um, you want to lease. And I said, no, you want to own, why would you want to pay all this money? And you could just get a car and not have to pay the payments. I fell through that trap too, with the payment crap. And I was like, yeah, like, why would you not want to not have a payment and then own the car? And he was like, because it's it, because you're not going to have coverage. Like you're gonna have to pay for all this shit. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, <laughs> and I looked into it and he was right. So that's that. Another thing with, um, 
credit, we'll do credit. Uh, credit cards obviously are probably like pretty self-explanatory. You want to pay off the balance every single time you can. All right. You don't want to put crap on there. You don't want to put food. Like I know a lot of people are going to do food, movies, uh, entertainment, anything that depreciates in value, you don't put on your card unless there's exceptions though. Let's say you're trying to build credit. Let's say you just got a credit card. You have no credit and you're trying to build credit. Then I would say use gas. Use anything that's a necessity that you have to buy every single month that's already in your budget to buy and just pay it off in full every single month. Um, the paying off in full, people might disagree. They might be like, oh, put a little bit of credit on there. No, you want to show them that you can pay it off every single time. I don't really agree with uh, put 100 there and pay 50 and then pay the rest off the next time and, and build, build off that. Um, I, I don't agree with that. Just pay it off in full only for the fact that uh, like you're showing them that you can commit and you can pay on time every single time and you can hit the full amount. Like you're not showing them that you can't take care of like a hundred bucks or something like that, but do gas. Like I did gas for a long time. Like I ended up getting, I think a credit card. I think when I was 18, I definitely was in high school when I got a credit card. Most people are in high school when they get a credit card. And that's why a lot of them go into a lot of debt with credit cards because they end up getting like three, four, and then they don't manage the cards. They just throw a bunch of crap on it. Um, I was going to say, uh, so yeah, I, I did. I think I got one around like high school, 18, 17 or whatever. And I would just do gas. All right. And the reason I did gas is I, I knew I had to get gas every single like two weeks. I think the car, even in, let's say every week. All right. It was like $60. I think that car held up for like every two weeks, maybe a week and a half. So you're looking at, you're probably looking at like four times I had to fill up or three times a month. And then I just pay it off. Cause it's already in my budget. Like I already have room for it to pay it off. Um, so that's something you want to do. I'm trying to think if I can give you anything else on the credit cards. Uh, just be careful of the interest, the personal loans, and then you get into the loans. All right. The personal, I'm going to try to get this one going too. Cause it's kind of going long. I'll actually probably do a video on YouTube, honestly, with credit, just cause I know a lot about credit and cr I'm telling you credit is the most important thing. I had a friend one time where he said, cash is king. And I said, I don't, I don't think cash is king. And, uh, and then he was, and then like a year, like, I think a year later, or like maybe like seven months later, he came back to me and he's like, he's like, yo, you're right. Yo, I used to think cash is king. He's like, credit is king. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, cause most people are poor or most people don't have enough money and they have to use credit or a credit line for something. But if you don't have that built in credit, you don't have good credit. You're not going to get the credit lines. You're not going to get these personal loans. Like I got a personal loan and I think, um, I think someone that I knew got denied because they didn't have good credit and they didn't know what they were doing. And I had a relationship with the baker. Not like a, not like a, I had like a, a relationship with her. I've been in there a couple times with her and I always sat down and talked to her and she ended up helping me get a personal line of credit. And my, my credit score went from like 709 to 754, 756. And like perfect credit is like 850 guys. Like, so it's it skyrocket. And she told me that too. She's like, you're going to see it skyrocket. And I, I didn't, I didn't know that. Cause I didn't know what, a, I didn't know personal, I didn't know what a personal credit line was. Um, so that's another thing too. I, I get, I get a relationship with your banker. They know a lot of stuff. Just don't get, be careful of who you're speaking to. Cause sometimes they try to push things on you like loans and sometimes you don't need a loan. So you just want to be careful who you're speaking to and you want to be careful of the information you're taking in from the banker 
because some of them will probably just get you to do things so they make commission off it or something, or uh, they'll just tell you stuff. But I just go there and get information from them. Also, there's tons of information online. Like, there's tons of information on it. There's probably some bad information on credits. So you got to be careful too with that. But um, I'm telling you, get this book. Get th this book's pretty good. The Personal Finance for Dummies. I got this for my sister and my dad. I think my dad read a little bit of it. I'm sure he's not really re uh, reading it, but of course I'm reading it. And uh, which, by the way, the funny story is I, that book's that book was for my ex-girlfriend, and we ended up breaking up. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to give it to her. I'm going to give it to myself because my ex-girlfriend did not know anything about credit and did not know anything about personal finance, which most people don't, and that's why a lot of people are broke as hell. All right, most people don't know credit. All right, or any type of personal finance, budgeting. Most people don't budget, which is crazy to me. Um, so that, I mean, I'm going to do, uh, actually, now that we're talking about this, I'm actually going to do, um, YouTube videos on this. I'll do YouTube videos for this. Cause I'm probably going to have to make like an, uh, um, updating goals, YouTube channel for like interviews. Once I get it. Um, I also, I also ordered a mic. So we're getting mic equipment. Uh, the next thing I guess would be, uh, video equipment for better, like video quality. And then, so we're, almost, we're getting to the podcast level, all right? I promised you guys I was going to do that. Uh, we're getting to a point where we're, we're almost in the, um, the podcast point, and then I can start doing interviews. I can start doing a bunch of different things. I just got to schedule that kind of stuff. But um, credit's most important. So I'm probably going to stop there on the credit, and we'll start talking about the strong power base. Now, this one's pretty, this one's pretty, uh, this one's pretty potent stuff, all right? So creating a strong power base is what we're going to move on to. We'll get more into credit on like something else. It's just, it's so much on credit that it's going to take up all the time. So create a strong power base. Now, most people might not know what a power base is. A power base is just um, people that you're surrounding yourself with, people that already know you. It could be family, friends, coworkers, ex-coworkers, people that already know you that are completely around you, like, like they surround you basically. And, uh, you can basically, they do a lot of this stuff for selling the power base stuff, but power, the power base could be anything. Like maybe you just need to be more motivated. So you need a stronger power base to motivate you. Uh, maybe you want to be more educated and you want to have more knowledge. So the more you put into your power base for education or knowledge, that will help you with the knowledge and whatever you want to do. If you want to be more successful at baseball. You probably want to surround yourself with more successful people that are motivated in baseball. You want to get more um, educated on real estate. Maybe surround yourself with people and fill your power base with experts in real estate. Um, anything you can think of, you need a power base to surround you to get you to that next level. Um, when I was watching the power base things, I got this from Grant Cardone because I already knew about the power base, but the way he was describing it was pretty powerful. So I was like, all right, I'm going to talk about that. Um, he was talking more about selling and like what he was talking about was most people focus on people they don't know to sell when instead they should be focusing on the easier sell, which is the power base. All right. The people that are right next to you that want to support you and they'll probably buy like a product or uh, they'll, they'll do something for you in exchange for something. Right. Um, and that, and so that's the power base, the people that are really close to you. Now, um, it made me think because I, I have a lot of people that I could, you know, I can contact that I probably don't talk to a lot or people that you neglect 
Like I don't, I neglect a lot of people in the sense of like not calling them or reaching out to them just cause I get caught up in a lot of stuff. And, and this could be a mistake that you're making too. I'm sure like 90% of people make the same mistake where they get caught up in a lot of stuff and they're like, Oh, I'm going to call this person. And then it like completely passes your mind. Cause you're doing like 30,000 different things. Like, like right now I'm doing school, I'm doing work. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to change my, um, my job and, and transfer to a different job right now. So I'm in the process of like a job transfer in a sense. Um, I'm working on done deal investments as, as much as I possibly can. And it's like, I'm one person doing like a thousand different things for that. Uh, I'm trying to do Toastmasters. I'm trying to, do, you know, I'm trying to do goals and updates this right now. Uh, so there's a lot of different things I'm trying to do at once. So like, it's, it's hard for me to kind of like slow down and be like, all right, I got to call this person and like ask how this person's doing. You know, I, I do the texting a lot, but I really should do more of a phone call conversation when I call this person. I got better at it. Uh, in high school, I didn't, I barely contacted anyone. I'm going to be bluntly honest with you. I didn't really contact anyone in high school. I didn't, um, probably up until college, maybe like two years into college when I realized, and it was kind of more of like, once I got more into the sales mind and like I had the business and I needed to, um, I needed to reinforce that. And it kind of woke me up because when you're in sales, you have to hit the phone. You have to call people that you don't know. And it made me really think like if I could call random people and cold call and, and talk to a business owner or something like, why can't I call a family member or someone that, um, that has supported me in the past. So it kind of woke me up a little bit and maybe that's what you need. Maybe like someone telling you like, Hey, like hit your power base and like, you don't like, you don't have to sell them anything. Just hit your power base and make sure that power base is strong for support. Right. So that's what I would do. That's what I'm going to work on. Like I've ha I have a list of people that I have to call that are like my grandparents, uh, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles and people that have actually, funny enough, that have actually joined uh, the up the goals and updates. They've been on here a couple of times that I have to reach out to you because they're showing me support. That's my power base. My, my, uh, my uncle, uncle Gary comes on here a lot. I got to give them a call and I got to give my aunt a call too. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's my power base. Like he's coming on here. He said he wants a done deal investments hat. Uh, I got to contact him. Like you can't leave him hanging. You got to go contact him and see what he's doing. Right. And it's been a while. Like, I, I don't think I've, I haven't personally talked to them in a long time, which is uh, it's weird for me because time passes too. Like sometimes you just get caught up in time. You know, sometimes time just moves and you get caught up and you know, that's, should, you know, me telling you that should uh, really making calls. Yeah. So you definitely want to uh, reach out to those power base people, yo. Uh, if that's that's a big tip that a lot of people don't do. A lot of people just drift through life and they don't contact their their parents. They don't contact their family members. They don't contact their friends. Uh, they end up just drifting away from all that. And you want to contact those people. Uh, let me see what I can do. All right, so real quick, I got about like ten minutes. I'm probably just gonna pitch Dundee Investments LLC real quick, and then uh, we'll peace out of here. So. Real quick, for anyone that doesn't know, my name's Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, this company right here. And uh, what I specialize in is helping distressed sellers. So all that means is someone that financially can't keep up with their house or someone that just needs to sell their house extremely fast uh, for a cash offer and, and needs to just get out as soon as possible. So how this works is it's a three-step process which I call the three-step process to financial freedom. 
the first step is you have to contact me. I don't know if you're having an issue. If you don't contact me, I'm not a mind reader. You got to contact me on Facebook. We have the email, my phone number, website. We have um, all the social medias for done deal investments. And on Instagram, I just have my email or I mean a web address on there. So just go to the website and the first thing you'll see is a contact form on the website. The first thing on the homepage is a contact form. You can reach me out that way too and I'll reach back out to you. You don't even have to call me. And there's actually a call button on there too if you just want to call myself. So you got to contact me. I prefer the phone just because it's more personable. We'll get through the questions faster. They're basic, basic questions. They're just going to ask you basically what your financial situation is, why you have to sell, uh, what's the condition of your home. Very, very basic. And then, sorry, uh, people are texting me. So it's their basic, basic questions. And uh, from there, we're going to, you know, I'll, I'll figure out what your financial situation, what's the condition of your house. Then we'll go into step two. Step two is we'll find a time that works for you best. We'll meet at your property. You can ask me any questions. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of questions. And we're going to walk through your property and I have to, I'll have a checklist. The checklist is going to have estimate costs of if you have like a broken window, roof damage, mold, anything where um, that I have to personally fix or if I get an investor onto the team, they're going to have to fix. And we're going to take five pictures inside and five pictures outside your property. And from there, I'll go home, I'll do some comps on your neighborhood. We're going to try to compare your house to three houses. So now we're on step three. So what's going to happen is I have to compare your house to three houses that have sold in your neighborhood's market for, you know, it's got to be like the same. So we got to go the same square footage, same basically everything as close as we possibly can. And uh, that's where we're going to get the average price. That's how we run comps. So we're going to get the average price. We're going to deduct the, um, the cost for the investor to make. And uh, that's where we're going to get the price that we're going to negotiate on. Once we agree on the negotiation or we come to an agreement, we agree on the price, the terms, and, and I'll do whatever you guys need in the sense of like, you have to stay in the home for another three weeks in order to go find another house. We'll work with you on that. It's not a big deal. Once we agree to the terms and the policies and all the, all the good stuff, we're then going to find you an investor. Now the investor is going to partner up on the deal and take ownership of the home. So we're gonna go into a contract, that's where uh, where the deal's already done, because I do all the legwork, and you kinda of just sit back, and you just, you know, you acknowledge what I'm doing, and we just agree on the terms and policies, and we work with you, and the investor. So then from there, what happens is we go into a contract, you sign it, done deal investment signs it myself, and the investor that we put on to the team, or the project, signs it also. The investor takes ownership of the property, we give you cash that we uh, that we agreed on in the negotiation, and your and your policies and terms. And what ends up happening is I'll help you find another home in the sense of like I have resources if you need them. You need a realtor. I got realtors. I got I got great realtors. You need someone to inspect your home. We'll get you someone. Anything you need to get to the next stage um, to get you financially free, I'll help you out personally at Done Deal Investments LLC. I'll personally help you out. Um, you're going to walk away with the cash. We'll get you into the new home. What's going to end up happening is the investor is obviously going to flip the home and sell it on the market, and he's going to make a profit. 
myself, I'm going to get a finder's fee or commission from the investor, which is pretty cool because most of the time the seller normally eats the cost of the commission, which is not what's happening with, uh, with um, done deal investments. The investor is going to pay done deal investments and the seller is not going to pay or at least not going to pay the commission for done deal investments. Now what's going to happen is um, that's basically the gist of it. That's basically all the stuff that happens. Now what I really want to do, the vision I have for done deal investments, which I'm going to actually work um, is one of the things that's going to happen is I have to be with this company that I'm switching over to for a year before I can even apply to get tuition help for a bachelor's. I'm going to try to go for a bachelor's and I'm going to try to use the company to help me pay for tuition. All right. But I can't do that for another year. So what's going to happen is I'm going to go and get licensed. Uh, I'm going to go and get licensed in my, in, in real estate. I'm going to get a real estate's license just to get some more doors opened up with uh Dundee investments, you know, get a little bit more connections, resources, and I'm going to try to do my um, home inspections license because uh, all that stuff's online. You can do all that stuff online. They'll walk you through everything. People with updates. Thanks, Cooper. See you later, man. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I'm going to end up doing. I'm going to do that. So I'm, I'm constantly doing education. So the reason I'm telling you guys this, too, is not, not just for done deal investments. The reason I'm telling you this is because I'm trying to keep constantly putting myself in a situation where I'm constantly doing more and not waiting for the next step. All right. Uh, because most people would be like, all right, I'm, I'm just not going to do anything for that year. I'm going to wait for me, uh, to, you know, get a year of working with this, uh, this job. And then I'm going to go back to school. My mind, I'm like, I'm just going to get things done within that year while I'm waiting and take advantage of that year. Right. That's what most people aren't going to do. So I figured that's the best way to handle this because like I said, everything's going to be flopped upside down. Like literally, literally this job is literally going to flop everything upside down and I'm going to have to try to work around different elements, right? Um, trying to think, think if I need anything else. I think I basically said everything, but that's the gist of, of Done Deal Investments LLC. All we're doing is we're taking a seller, we're taking an investor, we're putting them together in a deal. And um, this really only, this only works with... Uh, with distressed sellers or anyone, these are the things that I can work with. Distressed sellers, all right, so anyone that's financially struggling, meaning like pre-foreclosure, liens on the property, those are, those are considered like main distressed sellers and they gotta get out fast or they, they, can't, they can't float on their own financially. We could do job transfers, we can do, you inherited a home, we could do, um, if you're just trying to get rid of the house through a divorce, like you went through a really, really messy divorce, we could help you out. I'm trying to think if I covered um, everything. I'm pretty sure that's it, like basically everything that I can think of off, off the top of my head. But that's, that's what Done Deal Investments is designed to do. It's trying to help people have another resource for homeowners, all right? Any property owner, any homeowner, that's what Done Deal Investments LLC is designed to do, where the deal's already done, by the way. That's what it's designed to do. It's just trying to give people another type of resource because what happens is you go to the bank, you get a mortgage, you might be behind, you can't pay it, you're behind on back taxes. There's really no resource that you can go to to help get you out of that. And that's why I created Done Deal Investments, LLC. And eventually I'm just going to add different elements onto Done Deal Investments. So that way we just keep helping you and you're, it's all in one place. You don't have to go to like seven different um, vendors or companies to get what you need done, right? Uh, so that's Done Deal Investments LLC. 
Um, I think that's everything I wanted to say. All right, so Wednesday is going to be episode 55 of Goals and Updates. So be, you know, watch out for that. It's going to be 630 again. And I think that's everything. So, all right, guys. Again, my name's Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Peace.